G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A wonderful opportunity over this next hour to catch up with one of Australia's most enduring gospel recording artists. In fact, last year he passed a major milestone and celebrating 30 years since the release of his first recording called Infant Heart back in 1988. Peter Shirley marked that 30th anniversary, releasing his 19th CD title called Everything Is Ready, with 20 favourites from the past 18 albums. He's a multi-award-winning singer, songwriter and instrumentalist. Peter's also the founding pastor of Life Christian Church in Alverston in northern Tasmania, with a congregation over 500 people. And I might say a special hello to listeners in Alverston, uh, no doubt, celebrating along with us uh, this idea of having Peter on the radio. Peter Shirley, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be here, and thank you for the intro. It makes me feel terribly old. Well, I must say, I was about to comment on uh, on your youthful appearance that uh, you don't look like you're old enough to be in the business for that long, but well, uh, you're obviously looking after yourself. That's very generous. Thank you. It's the Tassie air. <laughs> I'm sure it is the case. Hey, let's talk about Tassie for a few moments mm. because uh, you're in Tasmania, in Alverston. Uh, you're there with your wife, Kerry. You have five children. Mm-hmm. Now, you might have to give me an update on the numbers here, but you've got a dog. You've got two rabbits. Uh, there might be more by now. Uh, you've got six <laughs> alpacas and a cat. Yes, <laughs> it's well, a busy household. The, the alpacas have been put out to pasture, but anyway, it's, it's another story. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still only two rabbits uh, at the moment. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you also uh, have uh, uh, live performances that you're doing around the nation. You've still got a sort of an active touring schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does this all work uh, in with your pastoral responsibilities in well, Alveston? We have a, a very generous church who uh, releases me uh, quite frequently to uh, uh, to travel around as I do, um, both with uh, my music and also with my association with Compassion. And our our church has a massive heart for mission, so... Uh, we, I think now we, we had the advantage of, of actually planting the church 15 years ago. So my itinerancy has been a part of the culture of that, but it, it's, it's good for the church as well to, to, for the pastor to get out and, and minister more broadly than the local congregation. So they always say I preach up a storm when I come home from a missions trip or from a trip away. So. Uh, you'd be bringing all sorts of wonderful stories from these trips and, as you say, an ambassador for compassion. Mm. And so, therefore, uh, visiting places where uh, you know developing nations, yeah, uh, poverty's issue, yes. and uh, you're able to bring back a, a real uh, set of, you know, a context for where we are here in Australia. Yeah, it certainly does, Neil. And I, you know, our church, because of that, and that's, you know, that's our heartbeat is for world mission. Uh, that's certainly reflected in the, in the life. And, and I think the health of the congregation as well, as, as I travel around and uh, I, I, my, my observation is that churches that are missions focused or outwardly focused, uh, I, I find generally have, have a greater degree of health about them, uh, you know, m- being more outwardly focused, it means that the uh, well, I, I certainly feel that the uh, the uh, the internal focus 
is healthy because people are not just looking at themselves and we're not just maintaining uh, an organisation internally, but having that healthy outward focus. It gets people's attention off themselves and on to the, to the bigger kingdom's work. And so I, I would attest that the pastoral load, when people are healthily, outwardly focused, uh, is lessened. And I was surprised because your church is substantial and I'm mm. not sure how big Alveston is. You might be able to let us in on uh, on Alveston as a town, as a, sure. as a small city, but uh, there's a significant congregation in your church. And mm. I know that Tasmania has a certain elevated level of Christian spirituality and there are a lot of very good, healthy churches in Tasmania. But give us a little impression about Alveston. Well, Alveston uh, is just a small rural town, coastal town, beautiful, absolutely breathtakingly beautiful uh, place to live. We're incredibly blessed there. Uh, the town itself is about 6,500. Um, we have a, a regional population that we would draw from as far as those who attend our church. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I, I suppose in that regard, we're more a regional church than a, just a, a local church. Um, but it's, you know, for me, I feel like I've got the best of both worlds living in a small rural community, but having large, large church dynamics. So it, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, pinch myself at times when I wake up and go, wow, God, this is really such an incredible privilege. Well, you know, in a town of six and a half thousand and you're pastoring a church of 500 strong, as you say, there are those who are being drawn from regional areas too. But for listeners who are tuned in all around Australia, in towns similar size to that, mm. they might be thinking, what's Peter Shirley doing that we ought to be connecting in with as well? And uh, and we might even get into some of that, but sure. let's, let's come back to some history. Mm. Uh, let's take us back 30 years uh-huh. when you first released your very first single, uh, infant heart, mm-hmm. and uh, give us some, you know, take us back in the history. What was it like thirty years ago when you were just getting underway? Because I know that the gospel music industry in Australia was very different oh, yeah. uh, to what it is now. Very <laughs> different to what it is around the world. Yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, and I, the, the the first album actually started out. It was just a demo that I'd recorded. I, I hadn't long come to faith. It had been a few years where my faith really kicked in. I, I certainly was raised in a Christian home, so always had a belief in God, but. Uh, pursued my musical ambitions, uh, probably to the detriment of saying, well, God, what's your will for my life? So I was very, very self-absorbed and very self-focused, as young people often are, and very ambitious. Uh, but uh, came to faith uh, in my early 20s. And uh, so I'd, I'd started recording some songs that came out of that that faith experience. And uh, it was uh, never intended for release. It was just a demo that I recorded in a mate's little eight-track studio in his bedroom. Uh, but I, I had uh, begun touring um, uh, as uh, a production manager for a lot of the American artists that were coming into uh, the country through Word or through, back then, Alpha and Amiga, yep. so bringing the Sparrow artists in. Uh, so I found myself on the road with all of these artists, and at one point um, I'd actually had a copy of this demo tape sitting in the production truck that the um, the the uh, lighting guy gave to the tour manager um, uh, and uh, he he listened to it and liked it and said, I want to do something with this. Uh, so that kind of launched us unexpectedly into not just being behind the stage in the production realm, but uh, suddenly found myself with a dual role in some upcoming tours, uh, both as support artist and also doing front of house sound for the main artist. So it was kind of a really weird dynamic that continued for a short period of time and then uh, got signed to Word out of that. 
which then uh, in 1990 recorded my first kind of serious full-blown album uh, that was released uh, uh, not just in Australia but overseas as well under the Triune, which was Word Australia's uh, local label back then. So, so you weren't just an artist, and uh, all of a sudden there you had a, a single, then an album. Mm-hmm. Really, you were immersed into a music industry, which was this very embryonic gospel music industry in Australia. And as you say, there were artists coming in from overseas. Uh, you were the sound guy. Uh, I recall it was Brisbane Concert Sound. Was That's that right, the name yeah. of your uh, your business back in those days? Now Brisbane Sound Group. So. Brisbane Sound Group. So yes. they're still, they're still oh, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, very, very uh, much. You have no connection anymore? Oh, no, I do, yeah. Oh, yeah. you do? Yeah, okay, yeah. right. So not not, not uh, um, formally, but uh, my... One of my best mates still uh, is the owner of that business. So. And so you were shaped by this culture in the 1980s and into mm. the 90s. And uh, that shaping has stayed with you through a lot of your albums. How do you describe the way that you were shaped from those days? Yeah, I think, Neil, really what shaped my writing was the direction that our ministry took. So um, very, very quickly, the Lord opened up opportunities in, in high schools and, and colleges. So for 15 years, our, our focus became high school and college evangelism back in the day where you could very, very freely preach the gospel. So working with great organizations like Scripture Union and Youth for Christ and Youth Concern and uh, countless others uh, that, that had opportunities in the, in the high school. So that took us around Australia into different parts of the world. Uh, so that was our focus was, was youth evangelism for, for a long time. So my writing really became a reflection of that. Uh, so, uh, and then that develops. And I think then as you age as well, your, your audience ages with you. So, uh, yeah. So I think there's been a, a, a maturing, uh, with, with my music as the years have progressed. And in those younger years, mm. you were fitting in with the contemporary music scene. And there is a sense, isn't there, because uh, some of your musical upbringing had a little bit of a classical feel to it because you became very skilled as a violinist. And uh, your later albums, as you say, when you start to mature a little, you decided that, well, I don't have to fit in with just the culture that might be the contemporary music scene, Mm. but you actually pursued this passion of uh, violin. Uh, Give us some insights into the difference that that made when you started to say, well, you know, I've got this other special skill. Yeah, it's a really interesting observation, Neil, and and it's certainly the case, and, and I mean, Violin was my background, so I started violin when I was eight. Uh, studied formally for for until I was sixteen, um, and initially it wasn't a huge part of what I was doing as a recording artist in the gospel scene. And and as you say, you kind of try and fit in, and you think, what's what's my genre? So the violin actually didn't feature heavily at all, kind of in the early days. I do play a bit of guitar as well. Uh, so you, you do try to conform a little bit to what you expect the market or, you, you know. Uh, and so what's really cool, as you do establish and think and you find your niche and you find your audience, then you've got a lot more freedom as an artist to to be truer to yourself, I think. So, so yeah, certainly um, it, it was uh, probably... I think mid-90s where I started recording instrumental albums that just featured the violin and some hymns albums that just featured the violin, and they have proved incredibly 
popular. I was going to say, and you discovered that there was a big market for listening to more classically inclined, I imagine you'd say, if you're talking violin, or do you call it contemporary violin, or how do you describe that? Certainly it draws on my classical roots. So I did a couple of albums that were um, just uh, orchestrated uh, instrumental hymns from most loved hymns, but then I've done two albums that have been very, very popular, which has basically been uh, original instrumental. Uh, and again, very uh, meditative, very worshipful and prayerful in, in the nature and the intent. Uh, but they've proved very, very popular. And yes, they certainly draw deeply from classical roots. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I suppose contemporary instrumentation. So, Well, last year you released a double album marking the 30-year milestone. It's called Everything is Ready and 20 studio re-records of people's favourites from the past 18 albums. We're about to have a listen to one of your songs here, A Thankful Man, and I think this features some of your violin as well in A Thankful Man. Uh, Is there a story as we introduce this song? No, actually it was the the title uh, track of an album that was released in uh, 2004, I think. Uh, and look, it's just, uh, for me, it's in part a reflection of my faith, um, but also recognizing at, at times I think people feel uh, God's disconnected and disengaged. So it was a, a reminder that his, God's back has never turned to us. He, as we allow him, he, he wants to be intimately and actively involved in our lives. So in part, a simple reflection of that, but for me, just being incredibly thankful. Uh, for all that I have in Christ. Well, our special privilege this hour, our guest in the studio is Peter Shirley. Our talkback line is open. If you'd like to engage with Peter, you might have some memories over 30 years. Let's have a listen in to a track called A Thankful Man. This is Peter Shirley, and it's on his album Everything Is Ready. We're back with more in just a few moments.
like that I just can't comprehend I bring you foolish pride But you stay close by my side Your cross, it pays for my sin Time and again instrumental peter shirley a thankful man peter is our guest this hour on 2020 back with more in just a moment visions 2020 with neil johnson a biblical perspective on life culture and current events our special guest this hour is Peter Shirley. Last year, Peter released a double album marking 30 years in the gospel music industry. His album is called Everything Is Ready and has 20 tracks, re-records of people's favourites from the past 18 albums. Uh, great to hear uh, that track we played, a Thankful Man. This issue that, uh, you know, Christians... Uh, are in need of this idea of a reminding that we are to be thankful. That comes through in the in the song we've just heard, Peter. Uh, mm. This issue of gratitude, an important element that founds us, that grounds us yeah. as our Christian faith uh, relates to our heavenly Father. Yeah, indeed. And I uh, somebody asked me not too long ago, uh, what was the what was the thing that changed, or what was the thing that you recognised had changed within you when I first came to Christ? And I, I hadn't 
really been asked that question. I can't remember having been asked that question, uh, certainly not framed so directly. And I, I thought about it and realized one of the things that had changed was just a, a, an attitude of heart and, and moving from a sense of entitlement uh, to a sense of gratitude. And, and uh, it, it's certainly something that's very uh, prevalent today, uh, you know, having, having uh, well, I've now got two adult children and, and teenagers. You know, we, we do have an entitled generation today. Uh, where they are the center of their universe, uh, and and I think that uh, can be very detrimental uh, both to their development, but also to community in a sense of community that we've been created to live in, and and recognizing, and we certainly instill this in our children that we we don't live with a sense of entitlement; we live with a sense of incredible gratitude. And when you travel like you do, and I think it's something like 22 visits to Burma and uh, almost as many to India, Mm. this perspective that you have when you're seeing what's happening in poorer context, developing Mm. countries, uh, the work that Compassion does is wonderful. Uh, This cements something of this gratitude. How do you get that into your family and uh, make that a part of who you are as a family and not just dad who travels? My children, certainly the older ones, have all travelled with me overseas, so they've experienced that firsthand. Uh, but for us, and, and uh, really that that focus that all of our children have grown up with, where there is a, a picture on our mantelpiece or on on our fridge of a child who we are directly impacting. And we, you know, encourage them in the letter writing and, and you know, to, to think, you know, uh, for our kids, do you want to sacrifice something? There's a birthday coming up. How about you kids pay for the birthday present? But but making that child very real to them. So we're praying for our sponsored kids, uh, you know, every day. So it's, it's not just a, a token picture of a, a kid that makes us feel better about ourselves because we're doing something nice. But rather, this is a real child. This is a, a God relationship and a God opportunity that we have to radically transform the life of another human being that just simply does not have the privileges that we do. Uh, that, that, that's been incredibly grounding for all of our kids. And gospel artist and local pastor, mm. uh, these things that are bubbling along in your own family, this issue of gratitude, this issue of uh, recognizing perspective from overseas, it overflows into your congregation. As you said, you've got a church that's outward looking. It's a mission focus that your mm. church has and coming from the foundations that you're laying as the leader. Oh, absolutely. And you can't underscore that enough. It's you know, f- for us, and we're founding pastors after 15 years with a large congregation, to see those kinds of values and that perspective replicated in the heart of your congregation, you, it's like, thank you, God, we're doing something good. <laughs> and and you encourage people in your congregation to travel, to Absolutely. do these sort of mission trips? Yeah, yeah. So we, we have uh, both a formal and informal opportunities for, for people every year. So we've just come back with a team of 10 from Burma. Uh, and uh, because I frequently travel, I'll often take somebody else with me. Uh, so uh, there's there's always those opportunities, as well as encouraging people when uh, other opportunities outside of those which we offer within the church present themselves, that we just say, go for it, you know. G- go and, and see the world the way God sees it uh, and, and come back and realize that's going to have an impact uh, in how you live your life and, and just your Christian worldview and your Christian perspective. Uh, Peter, let's take a call. And uh, on the line, we've got a listener. 
is Michelle in Tingalper in Queensland. Hello, Michelle. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Michelle, Peter's here with me in the studio. What are your thoughts? Oh, I've just... It's just amazing that um, I've actually got a hold of you guys and been able to contact Peter. I've been looking for a song for the last month, month and a half since, since we had a church service and haven't been able to find it and... Um, it's just amazing how good God is that I've been able to hopefully find my song that I've been looking for. What was the song you were searching for, Michelle? Tears in a Bottle. Aha. Uh-huh. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> oh, hi. Yeah, that, that song's actually um, still on, a, uh, on an album. I actually re-recorded that uh, a number of years ago, and it's on an album called More Than the World. Um, yeah, been trying to track that down but had a bit of trouble okay you can jump onto my website and it's a crash plug but uh petershirley.com.au and you you can order that through there but um if you if you messaged me uh, even through the website I'd, if you just wanted that one track i could be very very happy to flick that out to you yeah that would be wonderful um yeah i've just it's just amazing because that was one of my favorite songs from you yeah and that, that was on indian girl Oh, yes, yes, yes. I like yeah. that one as well. Yeah, Long no. time ago, I was only fairly young. Uh-huh, yeah, no, that's a, a, certainly yeah. a very, very special song to me as yeah. well, Indian yeah. Girl, for many obvious reasons. But, yeah, uh, Tears yeah. in a Bottle was special for me because I lost my mum when I was 14. Uh-huh, And yeah. I think that's about the time that I started to listen to your music. Uh-huh, yeah. Actually, that's, that's been a really popular song. It didn't make the cut for the, for the latest album, but it, it does remain a, a, a favourite for a lot of people. So thank you for that. That's Okay. Michelle, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to interact with Peter Shirley. A 30-year career in gospel music in Australia. Now, it's not an easy road to to travel as a gospel music artist, just uh, keeping things viable, keeping your head above water. Uh, in those early days, Peter, uh, you know, obviously, you know, earning a crust on the side while you are actually pursuing this passion, this calling in your heart, mm. uh, there'd be tough times in your earlier years. Yeah, Neil, and, and we always, we, you know, and I understand the terminology, but to say that there's a gospel music industry in Australia, uh, it's a bit misleading because there's not really one that exists. And obviously there is um, a huge marketplace for Australian uh, praise and worship music. Uh, and, you know, the, the likes of Hillsong and Planet Shakers and others who have taken music to the world and, and absolutely, totally transformed what contemporary the contemporary worship space looks like, and that's wonderful. But when you look at um, the avenues for you know solo artists and and, and gospel artists in the country, it, it, you know I, I often get asked, you know, how, how do you get a name for yourself? And I just say, you just get out there and start serving people. It starts in your local church, but then beyond that, just don't go with any expectations, and just go if, if you're passionate about this, if this is the call of God upon your life. Just get out there and start doing it. Play for whoever you can. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, back in the early days for us, you know, it was it was hand-to-mouth. You know, we're just going from place to place to place, serving where we could, uh, working in schools as we did for, for, for so long, uh, and then, you know, sharing in churches over the weekend. Uh, and I would suggest that even today it's probably more difficult uh, because um, with streaming and and uh, access to music online, uh, you know revenues dry up. You, you know people don't sell CDs anymore. Uh, I, I'm a little bit thankful because my audience has aged with me, so they're still buying CDs, which is great. 
but it's it's getting increasingly more difficult just because it's it's so hard to monetize your music. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another one. Kerry is in Horsham. Hello, Kerry. Welcome along. Ah, uh, thank you, Kerry. What are your thoughts for Peter? Uh, Peter, I first heard your music when I lived in Melbourne, and this is the album or CD that I got from you. I just dug it out actually because I loved it. Uh, in 1992, your violin violin collection. Uh huh. Yeah. A beautiful album. That's going a long way back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. And has the violining improved since those days, Peter? Well, I, I, I don't, Neil, to be honest, if, <laughs> if I went back and tried to play the pieces that I did in my final years of, of formal study, I wouldn't have a hope. But, so there's uh, been a deterioration. <laughs> well, uh, that's not so much deterioration. I just think you, you, uh, you know, you, you study at that level and you certainly draw on that expertise. But I, I never pursued, you know, uh, the classical avenues that I could have went more into the contemporary stuff, which, which the classical is a, an incredible grounding for that. Uh, but I, you just don't in con- more contemporary styles. You you probably uh, well certainly for me speaking for myself. You don't, you don't draw to the level of of you know certainly what I studied in in my later years of formal study. So uh, that's that's a very convoluted answer to say. You probably technically I'm not as good as I was when I was studying. But you you have a confidence. I I love the fact that you you get to a proficiency on an instrument. We are not actually thinking about how you are technically playing the instrument. You're not thinking of the technique. You're not thinking of scales and things. So it becomes an extension of yourself. So I love the freedom that comes with that, uh, where you're just playing and it just becomes an extension of yourself. So much of what I do, uh, certainly live, as far as my you know violin breaks in songs, it's very improvisational. So I love that. Kerry, have you got the CD with you there at the moment, have you? Yes, I've got it right in front of me. Run through a few of the the, the track titles and uh, remind Peter because he's probably forgotten. Yeah, I don't even reckon I've got a copy <laughs> left. <so. laughs> you might be. A, it might be a very rare copy. What's a just uh, turn it over? Run through yeah. some of the titles. Well, they're certainly um, classic hymns. A lot of them. Um, to God be the glory. All creatures, great and small. What a friend we have in Jesus. I surrender all, which is a beautiful mm. old. Um, song, uh, stand up, stand up for Jesus, and of course, when I survey the wondrous cross. So mm. beautiful, beautiful hymns to be, you know, that you played on your violin. They just suited the. I think they suited the violin perfectly, really. They did, and I, I think that that album was certainly inspired by my parents and their influence in my life, and their and their love for those hymns. So uh, it, it, uh, I, I remember recording that album, and and. Uh, very much in my heart was I'm doing this for my parents who are no longer with us, but uh, it was uh, they were certainly inspiration for that. Mm, Kerry, yes, thank you so much for calling in and uh, reminiscing along with us. Uh, really appreciate you. your call today on 2020. Lovely, thanks very much. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let's take another call. Joy is on the line from Mount Gravatt in Brisbane. Hello, Joy. Welcome along. Hello. Joy. Yes, I'm just uh, Peter Shirley. Um, uh, blessings to you and uh, your ministry over the years. We uh, followed you right from the very beginning. Mm, thank you, Joy. And Jan, I'm trying to, I haven't seen Jan. She was 
uh, training and nursing and she was a friend of yours and used to encourage you mm. to keep on sticking in with what you were being trained for. I think her surname was McAllister. I uh-huh. can't quite remember whether, but I know that she used to mention you to us, mm. John and Joy Lensky. Mm. We, go, we go to Hillsong now, but... We've been there right from the very beginning yeah. for 65 years. Wow. We've been there, and we're still there by God's grace. Yeah, bless you, Joy. Uh, Margaret was our home church back when it was uh, Garden City Christian Church. That uh, right. yeah, and that that was really where we got our, our our launch into ministry. And it was it was a church that just so encouraged and, and blessed us in those early years and supported us. Yeah, well, that was wonderful. Mm. My my nephew lives in Tasmania at Launceston. And Noel Cameron is his name. He's kind of studied in ministry, but hasn't seemed to have had a real open door there. But anyway, he's there with his family. And Joy, still- it's just wonderful to hear from you and uh, really appreciate your calling in. What a great connection yeah, you have absolutely. with Joy. Our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316. It's not all talk this hour. Let's hear another Peter Shirley song. Uh, Peter, this one we're going to listen to now is called Mercy. Yeah. Is there any story behind Mercy? Oh, is there a motive ab- for writing a absolutely. song like this? this? This was a song written a week after... Uh, September 11, 2001, so uh, it's just a reflection of that and, and those events, and it was uh, obviously a, a shocking time uh, in, in modern history. I think it's redefined a lot of, uh, a lot of things uh, around our world and, and where things once seemed so secure and, uh, and certain. Uh, it's now the opposite, where the people are feeling very insecure and very uncertain, so... Uh, so really, that, it, it came as a, a simple reflection as a songwriter, uh, seeing all of those uh, events unfold on the screen. It was just this sense of, uh, 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 this is the only way I can respond to this. Well, let's have a listen in. This is the song called Mercy, and it's one of the tracks that's on Peter's uh, 30-year milestone album release called Everything Is Ready. Let's have a listen. Now fear interrupts 
this fragile piece Wonder what it takes To make this tale cease And I sing Mercy, 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 mercy Mercy on my soul Mercy, 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 mercy Mercy on my soul It's amazing what it takes To make us understand It's amazing what it takes To make us see we need a hand It's amazing what it takes To make us search for the truth And the truth is One man came to make us free again One man came and he paid the cost He gave up his life to save the lost I've seen mercy, 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 mercy Mercy on on Vision Christian Radio. Neil with you on this Thursday edition of 2020 and Peter Shirley is our guest in the studio. Peter, you were nominated for some pretty significant awards. Uh, You've won some significant awards over the years too, but uh, the song Fingerprints from your CD Carry You was nominated as a finalist for Country Ballad of the Year at the Tamworth Country Music Festival. And also in 2016, the song Love Remains, uh, written from the experience of losing your father to dementia, was also nominated as a finalist in the TSA Awards uh, Contemporary Ballad of the Year category. And uh, awards are one thing. Mm. Uh, to be in the studio and letting your creativity flow. Uh, you have on your property in Tasmania uh, what you call the green room, and yeah. it's your recording studio. It's a little bit like your man cave and uh, your escape and your opportunity to get creative with your music. How important is it to have that sort of outlet for you? Oh, massively, Neil, and and for a a person with a more extreme creative temperament, 
you know, I, I have to have that outlet. Uh, you know, creativity is, is at the core of who I am. God's wired that into my DNA. Uh, so it is a, it is a, a great escape. Uh, it is my de-stressor. It is also just a, a, a wonderful point of connect with God. Uh, and, and, you know, there's elements of that, that, that I think, uh, people who are creatively inclined and have a creative outlet, uh, I mean, we know God is obviously an incredibly creative God. So for the creatives, there is that, that, that wonderful channel that we have to be able to worship God and connect with God through, you know, creative expression. So that's a great privilege. I guess there is a mechanical uh, nature to the production of music, mm. but in the songwriting process, in the uh, music side of the creative process, how much does worship have to do with the way that your creativity comes to the fore? Uh, how do you interact with God in those times when you're getting creative around your music? That's a good question. I, I th- Look, I think... Uh it, it, look, it, it certainly varies, um, and and I work with a lot of different artists in the studio as well. But you know, producing other artists, and, and each each one of them have uh, a different way to go about their creative process. Uh, so uh, a lot of people will spend time, even in the studio, just in in extended times of prayer, just really intentionally waiting upon God for you know that inspiration. Uh, others will just uh, sit there and play and play and play and play until they feel this is something that I want to develop. Uh, others uh, are very collaborative uh, and others are, are very uh, even mechanical in their approach. You, you mentioned mechanical. You know, part, part of songwriting and part of produ- production is very mechanical. So, you know, and again, that's a reflection of the the, the uh, variety in the creative temperament that each artist seems to have a different way to get inspired uh, for me personally, uh, I, I, I've never sat down and said, today I'm going to write a song. It, it's always got to be something that is inspired either emotionally or personally or spiritually from God uh, that I, I just can't not write. So uh, for me, it comes in spits and spurts. So I don't, again, if somebody gave me a million dollars and said, here's a million dollars, write a, write a hit song, I, I couldn't do it. Because that's not how I become creatively inspired. You know, for me, I, uh, I don't know what inspires my songs and I don't know when they're going to come. So, so you've got the green room mm. and is it, and you say you're working with other artists yeah. too and you're producing some of their uh, songs, some of their albums. Mm. Uh, are they coming from Tasmania or would you like to welcome people from all over the country to somehow or other come down and utilize your capacity there in the green room? Is that something you do? Is that something you do on the side? Uh, most of what I do is actually uh, mainland artists. Uh, I work with an arranger called Jared Hashek from Melbourne, so he's often uh, coming up at Tassie and sitting in the studio with me and uh, co-writing and co-producing. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's certainly something. I mean, Tassie's very small population, so even though I do uh, occasionally work with different uh, Tasmanian artists, it's primarily uh, other artists that are, are flying in to uh, experience Tassie and be in a wonderful creative environment. And we've got just breathtaking ocean views and, uh, you know, uh, out 
so out, out the, to the north we have the ocean, to the south we have snow on the mountains in, in winter time. So it's, it is a very, very inspirational environment. Well, with a 30-year career, you bring a lot to the table when it comes to the way that a young artist might want to bring their own creativity to the fore. And uh, I'll give you a website now. Uh, there may be some artists who are listening in who think, oh, I would like to connect with Peter Shirley and uh, perhaps even uh, do some recording in Peter's mm. green room in Tasmania. PeterShirley.com.au Peter Shirley, S-H-U-R-L-E-Y, dot com dot A-U. Uh, Peter, time is running out. Uh, founding pastor of Life Christian Church in Alverston in northern Tasmania too, and I know that there'll be uh, some of your congregation will be listening in and uh, and uh, just to, to honour you and uh, honouring that 30 years of commitment uh, through the tough times mm. and uh, through all of those 18 albums and now 19 with the album that celebrates that 30-year milestone. It's called Everything Is Ready and you'll be able to get a hold of that album when you go online at Peter's website, petershirley.com.au. Peter, wonderful getting your insights. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll do this again on another day too, but uh, wonderful to have you in the studio. Thanks for joining us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.